We are in a new collection called But God, and we're talking about how in life we often find ourselves in difficult seasons, in trials, and storms, in the fire. We find ourselves tired, weary, and overwhelmed, but in all of those places, there is a but God, that there is a God moment waiting for us in the midst of everything that we experience. And so we're going to continue that today. And as we share today, we're actually going to share our vision for summer. That's right. For July and August, we want to share how we as a church are going to continue to walk with God, walk with one another, and be here in the city as a powerful presence. And so before we get into that, why don't we pray and open with the word? Yeah, God, we invite your presence, God, as we're continuing to be sheltered in place. God, what seemed like it was going to be a short season is looking more and more like it's going to be a long one. I pray that you would reorient our hearts. Would you give us new vision for where we're going as a church this summer and how in the midst of being sheltered in place, in the midst of being quarantined, that there is a but God here for us. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you here right now. Would you meet us in this place? In Jesus' mighty name we pray, we say, amen. I think many of us assume that shelter in place would last only for a few months. Um, I know my parents, for example, only thought it would be like a couple of weeks. But with recent reports of the number of COVID cases in California rising, it's looking like we may be sheltered in place for a while. And I think the way that we posture ourselves when we approach something that's short-term versus something that's long-term is very different. When I was marathon training... The way that I would approach a three-mile run versus a 13-mile run versus a 20-mile run is completely different. I pace myself differently. I even mentally prepare myself in different ways. A three-mile run, I could just get out of bed and just go do it. But a 13-mile run requires a little more preparation on my end and a different posture. And I think when shelter-in-place started, you know, for many people— Introverts around the nation celebrated, and maybe some of you enjoyed working from home, a new change of pace. You, you love ordering food delivery, and maybe you were one of those people that had a set of goals for the season. I'm going to get my body right. I'm going to spend more time in God's word. I'm going to do all the things that I love doing but never had the time for. But we see that three months have now passed by. And maybe now you're feeling like, I'm so over being stuck in place. Work is busier than ever. Um, I stopped working out. I'm not being active at all. And my Bible is gathering dust on the shelf. And what I want to suggest is that maybe we need a posture change. Now that we know that this thing isn't going away, and we need to order our lives not for the short term, but for the long run. And I want to suggest that we need to approach this season a new way. There is a new way of living that we need to tap into. I think it would be incredibly tragic if at the end of this pandemic, we looked back and we were filled with so much regret about how we lived through it. If in hindsight, we wished we spent more time resting, we wished we spent more time reading or writing or doing the things that we loved. You know, I've been hearing some of you have taken up art again or, or learning an instrument. I wonder how many of us would have wished that we were more intentional in our relationships, that we wished we spent more time with God. 
There was a study that I read about recently where they asked people who were in their 60s and 70s, what are some of your biggest regrets in life? And they found that an overwhelming majority of those who responded to this survey didn't regret so much the mistakes they had made, but they regretted all the things they never did or never tried, but wished they had. And I think as we look back on this season, I don't want us to be filled with regret saying, I wish I did more of this. I wish I pursued God with the more diligent heart. I wish I got more rest. And my heart as your pastor is that you'd look back on this season and as difficult as it was, you would be able to say, wow, despite the circumstances, despite how hard it was, I really got closer to God. I really grew in my faith. I was quarantined, but God, I was sheltered in place, but God. God. And as your pastor, that's my job and that's my heart is to help you on your faith journey. And so today I want us to look at what Paul says in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. He exhorts the Ephesian church, this very thing that I think is so relevant for us in this season. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What Paul is challenging us to do is to look carefully at how we walk, to make the best use of our time, to take careful notice of every single step. You know, river walking, I know so much about walking across rivers. Just kidding. And the few times that I've walked across a river, you know, I don't know if you've ever had to cross a river to get to the other side of a hike or see something, but oftentimes there are rocks that are stationed in the water that the water isn't completely rolling over. And as you're walking across that river, every step is crucial. You're painfully aware that the next step that you take can be a slippery slope into getting completely submerged in that river water. And so every step that you take, you do carefully and you do intentionally. You want to make sure that you step and have a firm foundation for your next step. You're walking with intention. You're making yourself walk and take notice of every single step. In other words, what Paul is exhorting us to do is to do something like as if you would walk across a river. To be intentional about every step that you take. To be intentional about every single thing that you're doing. Every activity, every thought, everything that you're participating in. To be intentional. Intentional because these days are evil. These days are hard. And so we have to look carefully at how we walk and make the best use of our time. Stephen Machia, on his book, Crafting a Rule of Life, wrote this. Most of us stumble into the kingdom with nary a clue how to do this. So we thrash about, make reckless attempts, arm ourselves with slogans, goad ourselves with guilt, fail and fail and fail, and finally settle for spiritual mediocrity. Our inner lives remain cramped and musty. We resort to mere conformity, to a masquerade of piety, to cover up for our lack of real Christ-likeness. Come on, how many of you are cut to the core by this powerful statement? How 
How many of you feel like you're stumbling about in this season as we're sheltered in place, as you're trying to figure out how to live life, how to adjust to this new normal? How many of you feel like you're thrashing about and failing your way forward? I know I do, and so I imagine some of you must feel that way as well. I think the truth is most of us want to do this well. We want to live a life of godliness. We want to become more Christ-like. We want to live a thriving life of faith. But if we were to be honest with ourselves, we just don't know how to do it. And so we know we have to be intentional. We read Paul's words and say, yeah, of course, we need to be careful in how we're walking. We want to make the best use of our time. But how do we do that? And so Krista and I, as your pastors, we've been talking and praying, and we decided that in, to help us be intentional during this pandemic as we're sheltered in place, we've created a rule of life for our church this summer. If you remember, I actually preached a message at the beginning of the year, having no idea how relevant it would be for this year about what a rule of life is. If you remember, the way that we re- define a rule of life as this. A rule of life is a schedule and a set of practices and rhythms that help us create space in our busy lives to abide in Christ. In other words, a rule of life helps us do exactly what Paul exhorted us to do, to live life intentionally, to be careful how we're walking, to make the best use of our time. And so as a church, we have created a rule of life that we're all going to do together. We've made it not too complicated. It's very simple. It's just a few things, but these are intentional rhythms that we're going to practice together as a church. Some of them are for your personal lives. Others are for communal lives. Others is for um, how we're going to respond to our city at this time. And so this summer, we're actually centering our rule of life around the theme of rest because Lord knows you don't need to add more stress on top of your already busy lives. But I want us to remember this as we're talking about rest, because I feel like a lot of us need rest and I'm not just talking about physical rest. I think a lot of us need that spiritual renewal, the spiritual rest that our souls are longing for. And so we have ordered our rule of life as a church this summer for July and August around the theme of rest. But we have to remember that when Jesus speaks of his rest, he says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. If you remember, a yoke was a working tool for oxen. Oxen used a yoke to pull heavy loads. And so the rest Jesus promises us isn't so much a result of inactivity, but about the right activity. That's why Jesus used the word yoke and burden He's saying that rest doesn't necessarily mean stopping everything, but to do the right thing that will bring about rest and renewal. In other words, there are rhythms that we can tap into that brings us life and rest. And so throughout July and August for this summer, we're calling the summer of rest. We're going to pursue these rhythms as a community that we've formulated and written into this rule of life for our church. Now we've created a resource that you can find in our module as well as in our email tomorrow, a resource page, a resource page for our summer of rest where it'll lay out everything that we're going to do as a church. And we organized our rule of life into three categories. The first is rest in Jesus. The second is rest in one another. 
And then the third is bring rest to the weary. And I think that third one is especially important in this hour. And so we're going to go through today what we've crafted into our rule of life around this theme. And so why don't we start with rest in Jesus? I think one of the reasons many of us are without rest this season is because if we were honest with ourselves, we're living without Jesus. We've neglected that secret place with Jesus, and we feel so tired, so weary, so overwhelmed because we're not going to the one who is our strength, who is our rest, who is our life. Matthew eleven twenty eight. I think we've used this verse so many times this year. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I think we forget that in order to receive the rest Jesus promised us, we have to come to him first. It means spending time with him. And in this season, I feel a prompting from Holy Spirit for us to recommit to coming to Jesus, a renewed personal commitment to continue making space for Jesus in our everyday lives. And maybe you started off strong at the beginning of shelter in place, but have wavered in your pursuit of him since. And sorry to say there's no magic formula. It simply takes discipline, rhythm, and routine. And so this is why we have laid out some rhythms that we're going to do to help us rest in Jesus during this season. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to focus on a few spiritual disciplines that each of us are going to do in our own time, but we'll do together as a church this month. Um, the, the phrase that keeps coming to my mind is starts and ends. Uh, we actually sang a part of a song called Starts and Ends by Hillsong today in our set. But starts and ends, there's something about starting our day with Jesus and ending our day with Jesus that helps us tap into the rest that Jesus promised us. In scripture, God describes his, his mercies as being new every morning. And I think many of us miss out on God's new mercies for the day when we neglect to start it off with him. In other words, there is a new strength, a new joy, a new rest that we're able to tap into for the day when we start it with him. And so the rhythm that we're going to do all together as a community this season is we're going to start our morning off. doesn't matter if you wake up at 4 a.m. at that God ungodly hour like Thomas and Justin or you start at 9 a.m. doesn't matter. I want us to start our morning reading scripture and verbally declaring promises of God over ourselves and over the day. Once again, we're going to start off our morning with Jesus by reading scripture and by verbally declaring his promises over ourselves and over our day. It might mean starting your, re- your Bible reading plan once again. It might mean starting a new one. But we're going to spend some time in scripture. The first thing that we do when we wake up is spend time in scripture. I don't care if it's five minutes or 30 minutes. We're going to spend time reading God's word. And as we interact with scripture, we're going to take notice of the things that God is promising over us for the day. Maybe he's promising you new strength for the day. Maybe he's promising you encouragement and hope for the day. Whatever it is, we're going to spend time declaring the scriptures and the promises of scripture over us as we start our day. Now, this is so powerful. One way that you can do this that I did um, many years back is in that season, I was battling so many insecurities. I was battling so many fears about how people perceive me, my place in God's kingdom, my place in ministry and in the church. And the thing that I kept 
God say to me again and again is, I need you to know that you are royalty, that I am the king, and as a son of the king, you are a prince of the kingdom of God. And so every morning, what I would do is I actually took a pen and I wrote on my mirror, carry yourself like a prince. And every morning I would wake up and the first thing that I would do is I would go to that mirror. I would look at myself and tell myself, carry yourself like a prince. Now, something that seems so small and so insignificant had the biggest impact in my self-confidence, had the biggest impact in how I knew that God viewed me in his kingdom. And it changed everything. I was so much more confident that season. I was so much more bold and courageous. I was able to remember in moments where I was tempted to respond in the flesh to remember, I'm going to carry myself like a prince, like royalty in the kingdom of God. Um, I probably told this story many times, but someone wrote on that mirror how I I wrote, carry yourself like a prince. They added a few S's at the end. And so I didn't know I was unknowingly telling myself, carry yourself like a princess for months. But you know what? I'm all for it because my favorite movie is Tangled and I resonate with Rapunzel. The the point is there's something powerful about declaring the promises of God over ourselves and it changes everything. And so I want us to start our day with God every single day. I want it to become an established rhythm. And it doesn't have to be this big ordeal. It could just be a few minutes. But spend your, your time with God as you start off your day. I also want us to end our day with God. And the way that we're going to do that is we're teaching you a new rhythm called examine prayer. Now, we'll, we'll share more resources about how you can practically do this. There's many guided exercises. There's even like an audio guided exercise that Krista uses. We'll share all that on our resource page. But one of the reasons why so many of us are restless in bed at night is because we carry the same anxious thoughts and worries from the day into our sleep. And so we wonder why we're so tired the next day. It's because we didn't end the day well the previous day. And so we would replace scenarios we wish we could change. We play out future fears like movies in our heads at night. We continue to perpetuate the restless and anxious thoughts and worries from our day into our sleep. And so what examine prayer does, it it, it helps us at the end of the day process the day with God. And our, align our perspective to his. It helps us see God's fingerprints in our day regardless of how difficult it was. It helps us grieve and lament if we had a difficult day. It helps us celebrate the ways that God moved in our day. And helps us let go of what we should. And it helps us hold on to what is true. And end the day in gratitude. And it leads us into true rest. And so we're going to start off our day in scripture and declaring God's promises over ourselves. And we're going to end our day in examine prayer, laying down everything that we shouldn't carry into the next day and reexamining it all through God's perspective. Doesn't that sound so refreshing? And it might feel hard at first to establish this in your daily life every single day, but I guarantee you two weeks in, it's going to become like clockwork and it's going to be such a strong source of rest in life. So first thing, I feel like God is calling us to recommit ourselves to pursuing him. Now, the the third way that I want us to do this to rest in Jesus is I want to talk about right now, our Sunday gatherings. 
Now, I know for many of you, it's been hard to connect and engage during our Sunday gatherings. And it's not because you're unspiritual or because you're a bad Christian. It's because it's hard. It's really, really, really hard. And I think it's so easy to lay in bed in your PJs, half tuning into the stream because no one's watching you. It's so easy to have the stream on and do other activities like cleaning or cooking or Instagramming. And it's so easy to say, I'll watch or listen to this later. And I understand because we were never meant to do church like this. And we found, even for Krista and myself, we found ourselves, in the beginning, we were so strict. We're going to wake up early. We're going to get ourselves made up, get ready. We're going we're gonna to really participate and really pay attention during Sunday service. But we found ourselves, as time went on, we found ourselves waking up later, rolling out of bed, not even getting ready, but just going to service, being distracted during service. And so we understand that it's become increasingly more difficult to engage and participate in the Sunday gathering. And I know for many of you, it's hard to feel the presence of God the way that you used to when we used to gather in person. But I wonder if God is challenging us to change our posture toward the Sunday gathering in this season. You know, I know for my marriage between Chris, in, in my marriage with Krista, there are different seasons that warrant different responses and postures. In some seasons, some activities that we do will be incredibly life-giving that just don't do it the next season. And so we'll have to change our approach, change our posture. There are seasons where we loved playing video games with one another. We'd play Super Smash Bros. I would, I would demolish Krista in the game, always win. Just kidding. She's so much better than me. And, and that's the way that we connected. There was so much life around that activity. But for some reason in later seasons, that didn't resonate as much. And we would need to go on walks. Or maybe there was a season where we really enjoyed tickle fighting. And that was so much fun and life-giving. And this season, maybe it's not doing the trick. We need to change our posture, change the way that we approach one another with every season. And sometimes when things aren't clicking, we need to change our posture. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And, you know, this beauty mark right here, this skateboard injury, is a result of that very logic. When I went skateboarding yesterday, there was this one ledge, and there's this trick called a nose slide where you get the front of your board onto the ledge, and you're supposed to slide across. And I tried it the first time. And I almost ate it. I fell. I slipped. And I was like, oh, my God, that was close. I almost fell into the ground and bashed my face into the floor. But for some reason, I decided to try it again. And I did it the exact same way. And the second time I tried it, I almost ate it. Like, I hurt myself. I slammed my leg into the floor, and I almost ate it again. I should have told myself that insanity is approaching that curb the, the, the same way that I did the first two times. But for some reason, I decided for that third time, I'm going to approach that curb the exact same way, do exactly what I did, but maybe just go a little faster. And as I did that, I, I was short of getting onto the curb. My board slipped out of my legs, and I, I fell face first into the concrete ledge, hitting my jaw, hitting my leg, and hitting my elbow. What was the problem there is that I continued approaching that curb the same way when it wasn't working. 
And I think for us, we have to look at ourselves approaching Sunday service and saying, maybe we need to posture ourselves differently. Maybe we need to change or adjust how we're approaching God. And so the way I want us to look at our Sunday gatherings, I know it's less than ideal, but I really believe there is an untapped source of life and strength that we can really draw from during our Sunday gatherings because it's important to God. And the phrase that I want us to focus on is this, honor the Lord with your Sabbath. What would it look like to honor God on Sunday? And, and treat Sunday gathering not just like content to consume, but treat it like as if it was a date with Jesus. You know, my first date with Krista, I was completely nervous. And we had been friends for a long time, but we had never been on a date. We had never viewed each other romantically. And so I was so nervous. But what I did is I got dressed up. I, I put on a really nice shirt. I made sure my hair was did. I made sure that everything was on point. I bought some flowers. I bought a gift to bring to her to, to let her know how much I love her, how much I appreciate her, how much I really love spending time with her. And on our date, I paid attention. And so this is my challenge to you, church. Let's recommit to the Sunday gathering. And I want us to look at it not like content to consume, but as a sacred place, a date with Jesus. And there's, there's ways that I want us to do this. The first challenge is this. I want you to start the day by fully waking up, brushing your teeth, getting your shower in, getting ready, getting dressed. You don't have to wear nice dress clothes, but be dressed up for the day and then show up to service on time. That doesn't mean show up at 11. I'm challenging you to show up at 10.55 to prepare yourself for service. Just like if you showed up to Sunday gatherings on Sunday, it's a different experience when you're able to come a little early and prepare your heart versus showing up and being late and just walking into worship. And so I want us to be ready. I want us to prepare ourselves like I was preparing myself for my first date with Krista, putting on the nice clothes. I want you to prepare yourself before we go to service and to show up on time. The second is this. I want us to fully engage. This means not having it on as background entertainment, but to fully engage, to set all of our attention on what God is leading us into during that day, during worship, whether it's standing up or singing aloud or getting down on your knees, during the sermon, writing notes or engaging in the chat. I want us to be active. Actually, I really want to challenge everyone to engage in the chat. There's some people I have not heard from for three months, but there's something special when we're talking to one another in the chat sharing about what God's doing in that very moment. And the third way I want us to do this is I want us to come with the gift, whether that's your offering or your time or all of your attention, come with a gift to give to Jesus that morning. And so church, I really believe there's untapped rest and life in our Sunday gatherings. And it's not because I'm particularly good at preaching, leading worship, or video editing. It's because God is in this place, even this virtual space. We have to believe that when two or more are gathered in the name of Jesus, he is there with them. And so if we're not able to tap into God in this space It's not because God's not here. It's because we have to reorient our posture, reorient our approach. And so once again, I want to honor God with our Sunday gatherings. I want us to approach it as if it's our date with Jesus. 
let's really tap into the presence of God together on Sundays. And so we're going to rest in Jesus by starting our day with God, ending our day with God, and recommitting to the Sunday gathering. Does that sound good? All right. The second category is this rest in one another. I want us to recommit to community. Now, in this season, there's a huge temptation to isolate. It takes so much more intentionality to connect with others. But here's the thing. When we cut ourselves off from community, we cut ourselves off from a source of rest and strength. Galatians 6.2, Paul says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. I love the word carry here because it paints this beautiful picture. Each of us are carrying a load, the burdens of our lives. And community says, let me take a load off of you. I know it's been heavy carrying that by yourself. Let me help. Let me be an open ear. Let me be a soundboard. Let me be a partner with you in prayer. Let me give you a helping hand. And in this season, I really believe that we need one another. In Proverbs 27, 17, famous verse, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. I think when we speak of accountability in the church, we usually think of it in terms of helping one another stop bad habits like porn or tender or vegan ice cream because it's so demonic. But what if accountability meant so much more? What if accountability was accounting for one another's abilities? In other words, making sure someone was maximizing their gifts, their time, and their energy. And for the season, what if accountability meant checking to make sure your brother or sister are continuing to grow in Christ's likeness during this pandemic? Now, I know many of us have our circles of friends outside of church, and those relationships are amazing and so necessary. But what makes relationships in the church so important to our lives? I think it's that element of spiritual accountability. That what we're learning together as a church, what God is speaking to us as a church in this season, we're able to keep each other accountable. In other words, we're, we're able to check in with one another and make sure that we're continuing to carry on in pursuing Christ-likeness. In other words, the goal here isn't just to connect and have fun. Our goal here is to help one another stay on track as we pursue Christ-likeness. And we can't get that anywhere else. And so I know for me, in this season, there's been something about connecting with people from our community, connecting with my friends who are believers, something about after I get off that Zoom chat or that FaceTime or that phone call, there's something about that, that interaction that always reinvigorates my spiritual fervor. You know what I'm talking about? You ever have a conversation with someone, you walk away saying, Man, I'm so fired up. Like, I need to do better in pursuing God. Like, I'm inspired to do better, not from a place of guilt, but from a place of excitement and passion and spiritual zeal. And that's what should happen when we connect with one another in community. We walk away saying, ah, yes, I, I know, I remember, I'm recalling what this season's focus should be about, about pursuing God in my everyday life. And so I'm inspired, I am, I'm reinvigorated to continue that. 
And so I want us to recommit to community. And the way that we're doing that is we're relaunching community groups this July. And it's going to start mid-July. Sign-ups go live today. They're going to get cut off next week. And so I want us to commit to joining a community group and commit to showing up. Now, we're making a few changes in our community groups. For one thing, it's going to be every other week instead of every week. And we're going to make the gatherings a lot more interactive that contribute to this very idea that we want to keep one another accountable and help carry one another's burdens and loads. And so, church, I want us to be serious about showing up. Listen, signing up is 1% of the battle. And I noticed at the end of last community group season that attendance started to wane and it's a a mixture of a lot of things i know many of us are zoom fatigued we're zooming all day we're connecting with our coworkers all day virtually and so to get into that space it kind of bleeds and blends in together and, and it feels daunting but i want us to commit to showing up to carry one another's burdens, and to keep one another accountable. And so the second way that we're going to get rest this summer is to rest in one another. Cool? And then the last thing that I want us to focus on that I think is so important is this, bring rest to the weary. And in other words, I want us to recommit to our city, to San Francisco, It's interesting to explore how the church responded during pandemics throughout history. As the plague of Cyprian ravaged the Roman Empire in the mid-3rd century, non-Christians fled the cities while Christians remained to help those who were in need at the risk of their own personal health. During the Black Death in the mid-1300s, priests and clergy put their lives on the line by tending to the sick, many of which who ended up dying themselves because of their efforts to help those who were really sick. And then even during the Spanish flu of 1980, the church began meeting house to house so that their buildings could serve as health clinics since hospitals were overflowing. And isn't that refreshing to hear that the church gave up their right to gather in their buildings so that those buildings could be used as health clinics? And I've been thinking a lot recently. I wonder how the church will be remembered during this pandemic. Will we be known as the church that protested for our right to gather? Will we be known as the church that refused to wear masks because of our personal discomfort? Or will we be known as the church that put the needs of the vulnerable above our own? Even at the cost of our quote-unquote rights, we have to remember that Jesus modeled this for us by coming to earth and laying down every single right that he had. He laid down his rights in order to love the people that he came for. And so will we be known as the church that helped those who are suffering in our city? Or will we be the church known for being self-absorbed, fighting for our right to gather, fighting for our right to not wear masks? Or will we be the church remembered that, that, that we'll look back on this time, on this pandemic, and say, wow, the church responded in such a Christ-like way, laying down every right in order to love those who are vulnerable, who are really in need. And I want us to really focus on the prophet Isaiah's declaration in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. 
He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. One of my favorite pastors says, Holy Spirit is in me for my sake, but the Spirit is upon me for the sake of others. We call this the anointing. And the anointing always serves a purpose. It's never self-serving. The anointing serves a purpose to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to comfort those who mourn. This is our call in this city at this very hour. And I think one of the most restful things we can do is to stop thinking about ourselves for a moment and help someone else who is weary. There was a season in my life when I was in ministry where I was so plagued with insecurities, with worries about my future, worries and insecurities about my ministry. And I remember it was plaguing my thoughts. But I'll never forget, my pastor encouraged me, you know what, today, I just want you to spend all day praying for others here at church, texting people, calling people up. And so I, I obeyed. I spent that day taking the focus off of myself for a moment and putting others' needs, others' burdens, others' prayers on my heart. And I tell you what, that entire day, I completely forgot of everything that I was worrying about. All the insecurity melted away as I began praying for others, and it brought me new life and new rest and new strength. And so church, there are weary people in our city. Yes, some of you may be weary, but one of the ways that God infuses us with rest is that we care, we care for those who are weary around us. We take the focus off of ourselves and we bless others. And so the way that we're going to do this, the rule of life around bringing rest to the weary for our church this summer is every month we're going to, we're going to spot, we're going to highlight an outreach opportunity for our community. And so this month, um, we are going to volunteer with mobilized love. Some of you may have heard of this. Others, it might be new, but mobilized love deploys a fleet of outreach trucks, laundry trucks, stage trucks, food trucks, wellness trucks that gives children access to basic human services especially at-risk children. And they're known specifically for their food truck that goes into neighborhoods to help at-risk families that are struggling to, to make it during this season. And I actually got to participate last month by going to the food truck and it was phenomenal so many people from the community showed up and this food truck is basically preparing meals for those who really need it and you know founder christian huang some of you might know him he used to be part of city impact will be speaking actually at one of our gatherings here in july Um, i'm actually going to take a month rest from preaching hallelujah mid-july and we're going to bring in four phenomenal guest speakers Um, i'll still be around i'm going to be leading worship and all that but i'm going to take a break from preaching and we're going to be able to hear from the founder of mobilized 
mobilized love christian huang as he shares more about god's heart for our city and so as we partner with mobilized love we're going to participate in their bags of love campaign now, a bag of love contains a drink a sandwich a granola bar and fruit and we're going to be assembling every wednesday 570 bags to be distributed to different neighborhoods reaching children and families in need at this hour and so you can actually do that or you can sign up to be a delivery person regardless uh, we do want to emphasize that we're going to be practicing safety and taking precautionary measures like social distancing masks gloves temperature checks and if you're feeling sick please do not show up but i do want us to show up for those who are able those who feel comfortable to participate in pouring back into our city to helping the vulnerable we have to remember that volunteering in this way is actually a form of pursuing justice because we need people to tackle the systems that perpetuate injustice but we cannot forget about those who are the victims of that very system there's a reason why a big portion of those who are at risk in our city are people of color and part of that is because the the problem is systemic but there's also a need in helping those who are oppressed by that very system who are underprivileged because of that very system and that's what we're going to do and so i want us to view this work partnering with mobilized love helping bring bags of love to those who are in need as a form of pursuing justice in our city and so we're challenging everyone to participate at least once a month you can find a link on our resource page but we're encouraging you to sign up asap as spots are filling up from with people from other churches and other people that just want to volunteer and there's 15 spots every sunday and i know that it's during an an inconvenient hour for some of you, especially with rigid work schedules. But even if it means just taking one Wednesday off to get off early, we really encourage everyone to participate at least once. I do want to recognize that not everyone feels safe volunteering in person. And I want to reemphasize that that is okay. You don't have to feel guilty for wanting to protect your own health or your family's health. There are other ways that you could find, um, that you can actually support Mobilize Love, whether it's financially or whatnot. And so be on the lookout for that as well for those who are not able to volunteer in person. But the second way that I want us to bring rest to the weary as a church is to continue our own personal journeys with confronting racial injustice. As a church, we want to remain committed to fighting against oppression and pursuing equity. And so dedicate time in your week to read, watch, and listen to voices that share the black experience in America and, and learn how we can partner in healing and rebuilding our nation. We want you to continue making those phone calls, sending emails, lifting your voice taking action but this month as a church we're just going to focus on one practical way we want to highlight one book that we encourage everyone to read through as we go through the month of july and we're going to do this as a community and the book that we want to highlight is this book by austin channing brown called black dignity in a world made for whiteness austin channing brown is a media producer author and speaker providing inspired leadership on racial justice in america she's a new york times and usa today best-selling author and i really believe her book will really bring perspective as well as inspire us to greater action during the season where we're pursuing racial justice. And so that's one way that we can continue to bring rest to the weary is to do the work. And the way that we want to highlight doing the work in our community this month is to um, partner with Mobilize Love and volunteer and to read this book together. You could read it at your own pace. You could read it all in one day. You could spread it 
out through the month. You could chat with your friends about it, but let's not grow weary in continuing to do the work that God has called us to do here in San Francisco. And so let's bring rest to the weary, take the focus off of ourselves and do good for our city. Let's continue to pursue justice as a church. Amen, church. So that is the vision for the summer, the summer of rest. We are going to rest in Jesus, rest in one another, and bring rest to the weary. The way that we're going to rest in Jesus through our rule of life is to start our day reading scripture and declaring God's promises over ourselves. And we're going to end our day in the daily exam and prayer. And the other way we're going to do that is we're going to recommit ourselves to approaching Sunday gatherings with more reverence as if it's a first date with Jesus. The way that we're going to rest in one another is we're going to commit to community groups and we're going to show up. And the last thing, we're going to bring rest to the weary. The way that we're going to do that is we're going to volunteer with mobilized love and we're going to continue doing the work of pursuing racial justice in our personal lives and here in our nation. I believe that we can do this and I want to signify that it is the start of a new season. Let's posture ourselves differently moving forward. Let's commit to these rhythms as a church community. Let's find out our but God in the midst of this pandemic. I want to pray for us, but today I want to posture our prayer even differently. I want to posture ourselves as if we're actually entering into a new season, and that's the prayer that I want to pray for our community today. And so would you bow with me? Would you completely give all of your attention to God in this moment? Because I believe he wants to mark this moment as a turning point in this pandemic. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we confess we need you so desperately because we've been trying it our way. We've, we're three months into this process of being sheltered in place, and many of us feel so aimless. Many of us feel like we're failing. Many of us feel so disconnected from you, from one another. Many of, of, of us feel like we're not doing well. That we're not thriving in this season. But I believe there is a but God for us as a church at this very moment. And so God, as we enter into the summer months of July and August, would you infuse this vision, this rule of life into our hearts? Would we not only want to be intentional, but would we do things um, in intentionality to continue to bring rest to our souls? And so God, we want to rest in you we want to rest in one another, and we want to bring rest to the weary in our city and in our nation. And so would you inspire us, God? God, today, would you light a fire that would cause us to commit to these few simple rhythms that we could do together as a church community to tap into your rest for ourselves, for one another, and for the people of San Francisco? God, we confess we need you so much. And so would you come? Right now, I just feel like Holy Spirit is even making a shift in our hearts that even starting from this moment, the old season is past and the new season is upon us. A new day, a new mercy for this season. And I feel like even from this moment on, I already feel a perspective shift, a posture shift. I already feel a change happening within us. And so I really want us to be aware, God, would you make us aware of that shift that's happening right now? That this moment on, from this moment on, it is different. That we're going to posture ourselves differently. We're going to approach this season differently.
We love you and we need you, God. Would you continue walking with us? In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.